0: We have smaller budgets, we're doing, trying to do more with less or the same with less, and you can only do that if you're repurposing strategically.
1: B2B Content Strategist is the podcast where you'll hear actionable advice and strategic guidance from content marketing leaders. I'm Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X, and I sit down with leading B2B marketers to discuss how they overcome challenges with limited time and resources and execute winning campaigns time after time. If you want to improve and streamline your content marketing, keep listening. Hello, and welcome back to B2B Content Strategist podcast. This is the first episode of season two, and I'm so excited to bring you this next season. We have so many fantastic conversations lined up with leaders in the B2B content marketing industry. And if this is the first time you have tuned into the podcast, then let me introduce myself. I am Amy Woods. I'm the founder of Content 10X. Content 10X is a specialist content repurposing agency, and we work with B2B businesses predominantly in the tech and SaaS space, helping them to maximize and make the most of their content. And we share lots and lots of helpful education on content marketing via our other podcast, the Content 10X podcast, our blog, our social media content. I've written a book called Content 10X, and I also speak on stages all around the world about, you've probably guessed it content repurposing. B2B content strategist podcast is all about sharing conversations with leaders in the B2B content marketing world. In particular, I interview business and marketing leaders in the tech industry, and we look at what goes into their marketing strategies, the who, the why, the how. Hopefully you will take away some strategic guidance and actionable advice for your own marketing strategy and approach. Now, as I mentioned, I'm super excited to bring you this first episode of season two. And if you didn't catch it, then do check out season one. You can binge the whole season on any of the podcasting apps. So check it out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Amazon Music, whatever podcast app you like to get your podcast. I'm sure you will find B2B Content Strategist or head to the Content 10X website. Just go to content10x.com forward slash b2b-content-strategist or you can head to youtube as well so go to content10x.com forward slash youtube and you will find our youtube channel with all of the b2b content strategist podcasts there as a youtube playlist so kicking off season two we have a fantastic guest Jess Cook. Jess is a creative director turned content marketer. Originally with a background in B2C, she worked with brands like Rice Krispies and McDonald's. And in 2019, she made the move to B2B SaaS and is currently the head of content at Lasso, a software platform for event production companies. She's also the co-host of a podcast called That's Marketing Baby, which is a weekly podcast that looks at what's happening in the marketing industry and things people People are often too embarrassed to ask about marketing. In this conversation for B2B content strategist Jess and I discuss Lasso and her new role as head of content. We talk about her strategy to cement Lasso as the main thought leader in the events industry. We talk about how repurposing is an integral part of that and the recurring processes that she is streamlining and optimizing within her team right now to get as much done as possible with a fair small marketing team, and we talk about lots more as well. It is a fantastic conversation, so let's jump in. Jess, welcome to B two B Content Strategist. It's great to have you on the show.
0: Great to be here.
1: No, it's it's wonderful. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So, you know, thanks for being available. To, to get started, what would be fantastic um, would be if you could tell us a little bit about. Your role and what Lasso does as well. That'd be great.
0: Sure. So I am head of content at Lasso, uh, which is a relatively new position for me. I just started in December. Um, Lasso is a software platform specifically for the live events industry, event production industry. So um, you know, imagine you go to a concert and you know, there have been hundreds of people there setting things up before you even arrived, right? Putting the stage together, getting the lights, right? The sound, the video, the the ticket takers, the security, all of that, uh, you know, all of those folks were there kind of before you to make sure the experience is amazing. And in the months leading up to that, there was a whole team of people, you know, scheduling all of those people and making sure all of the gear was there and you know, making sure that uh, the creative experience of the concert or or the conference or really, you know, any kind of live event that you go to was, is amazing. So our software is built uh, really for that industry and for those people to, uh, you know, schedule the crew, to project manage, to uh, pay people, to, um, you know, record their time, Um, all of those things. Um, and so it really is kind of, uh, like an all in one kind of place, uh, for event production companies to be able to go and and really do the work that they do day in and day out. Wow. Sounds fantastic.
1: (laughs) Super useful. Yeah. That's amazing. So how long has Lasso been around for?
0: Lasso has been around for uh boy, nearly 10 years now, right um, as a as a company. Um, but really, I think things in terms of the software just got off the ground in the last um, boy, don't quote me on this because I'm new. Uh, you know, in the last three to five years, um, so uh, so really just picking up steam in terms of you know growing and scaling and building teams and things like that. Um, but but the idea and the the kind of people behind it have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess um,
1: things must be you know have really picked up in the. Event space, of course, after the pandemic is like all these live events are starting to come back. Well, not just starting to come back; they're back now, in full full force. Um, I always think whenever I go to anything a corporate event or a music event, the sheer like project management involved in bringing anything like that together. So it's really really interesting to hear what you what you guys do in terms of your team. So what does what does that look like in terms of the roles and the the structure?
0: Yeah, so we have a very a small but mighty team of five marketers. Um we have my, my manager is Drew Brucker um and he is VP of growth. Um and then myself um and and we have um a marketing manager who re- both report to him. Um her name's Kristen Trainer. She is an in, an incredible. I actually think of her as our marketing ops lead. She is an incredible uh, HubSpot genius. She builds all of our dashboards, um, all of our you know reporting and uh, forms and all anything that you could think of that needs to run through HubSpot. She handles that. But she's also just a, an, a, an incredible marketer as well. Just um, a, has a fantastic brain uh, for for marketing problem solving. And then beneath me, um, I have um, two incredible women, Rachel and Dalian, who are both content marketing managers. So they are the individual contributors um, doing all of the, you know, uh, kind of strategy and building and creation of our blog posts and our podcast and our social media. Um, We we have a couple of different audiences. We do a lot for... um, you know, the the founders and CEOs and kind of heads of these event companies. But we also have a product where um, those companies can go and source crew. So if you are doing an event in uh, Las Vegas and maybe you don't know, you know, you you only know a couple of um, lighting technicians out there, but you need four or five, you could come to Lasso and, and we have a talent pool as well. So we do a lot of communication to crew as well uh, to, to get more people in that talent pool. So, you know, we're, we're building all kinds of things for a couple of different audiences. Um, and so, you know, with five people, uh, five people seems like a lot to me because I, I have been a team of one, uh, for some time, but, but five people doing all of those things, you know, we're, we're all really pulling our weight. Um, but it's, it's an incredible team. Um, we're all very aligned on, you know, kind of our goals and, and what, we, what we need to do together um, and how we can kind of come together in our individual um, ownership of projects to, to get those goals accomplished. Mm,
1: really, really interesting. In terms of your kind of overarching content strategy. I'd love to know what those priorities are. I loved looking on the website and seeing about the podcast, Coral in the Chaos. I always love it when, when any you know B2B businesses have got what looks like a really like cool podcast. You've got a really active blog, dead active on social media, LinkedIn. Um, so what, what does that, that content strategy look like, especially, that, as you said, with the different ideal clients as well?
0: Yeah. So when I came in in December, um my big kind of mission in the first kind of 30 60 days, which I'm I'm still really um right, right at the tail end of the 60 day mark here, um was to get a strategy, kind of see what see what's working, see what's not, what are our goals for the coming year? Um, and how can we really streamline and focus, right? With five people, we need to all be rowing in the same direction, um, to hit, hit those goals. Uh, so, um, my, my first kind of order of business was like, let's, let's see what's working and let's really do some digging into the data and understand like, where do we need to go from here? And so what I've kind of, of mapped out is we really really want to go after we 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 want to streamline and focus right we're we're calling down i think some of the things that that we were doing before that maybe aren't going to help us get to the goal as quickly so um we are focused on one audience uh we are very much focused on one primary uh organic channel um with a kind of eye on repurposing a lot of content for a second channel. Um, and, uh, we are, we are very focused on, uh, one message with many kind of themes and angles. So, um, I think just narrowing things down to like one audience with one message and one channel, um, helps us again, just really focus on the things we need to get done. And it really just like streamlines the processes of things right like if we yeah. always are talking to the same audience and we are always making sure that it is being distributed in one channel and we always know the story we're trying to hit all the time but we're just trying to hit it from different angles and viewpoints it makes things um it makes things run a lot smoother and and uh the power behind each of those is a bit stronger as well and i think what happens is when you do that, now we're, now we are in this position to really be known for that narrative, right? Like when people think of us, hopefully in the next six months to a year, we will have done the work to back that strategy up where people are like, oh yeah, lasso. They're like the one platform for, you know, the industry, basically a lot. Like I, I, I always look at toast, uh, if you've ever heard of toast as uh, a really good example of doing this they did this for the restaurant industry right and now they yeah. are the operating system for for modern restaurants so that's kind of the 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 route we're trying to take is like to become that um advocate and that kind of known thought leader for the events industry
1: yeah 100% sounds like a, a really solid strategy i noticed a recent post that you did on linkedin or it might have been a comment, but anyway, on LinkedIn. And you said, the the repurposing multiplier is a metric I'm holding myself and team accountable to. That's music to my ears because we we, we repurpose content. That's what we do. I think you were responding to um, a metadata, like the demand event where, I can't remember who it was, but there was a discussion about a webinar where only so many people turn up live. But then, you know, if you're going to repurpose that, then that 30-person live audience becomes 10,000 people through the power of repurposing. And so it was great to see, you know, you were saying, right, this repurposing multiplier is a metric that we want to kind of like be accountable to and start to do more. You already mentioned repurposing just now when you were talking about um, what you do, but I'd love to just dig into that a little bit further in terms of what, what does your repurposing look like or plans to repurpose look like?
0: Yeah. So we, uh, I love that you said that. Um, uh, and that was like an amazing summary of that post (laughs) almost verbatim. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah. So I think for us repurposing is absolutely a way one, just to, to make a small brand look big. Um, I think that's one of the biggest drivers of that, of like, I always love when, when people are like, oh, wow, like you, yeah, you have a, you have a decently small team, right? I, I thought you were a lot bigger, right? That's such a huge compliment because it means we are repurp- repurposing content very well. Um, so that's one big thing is like, we want to look very big and credible and, um, and like, we're just do, we're out here doing all the things, right? That's always really exciting. Um, two, I think it is the best way to just hit your message over and over and over. Um, And I think a lot of times we as marketers get kind of sick of our own message before people really understand what, what your brand stands for. And so don't, you know, I like to tell people like, don't be afraid to repurpose and say the same things different ways over and over and over, because that's the only way people will really know kind of what you are and what you do and what your point of view is. Um, and three, it just, it makes things a lot easier. Repurposing is so much easier than just always creating new content all the time. And so to, to really like prevent burnout, to, um, inspire some creativity, like there's nothing more exciting to me than when I'm like, okay, I have this great blog post but I also think it could be an awesome downloadable pdf um and I, I I know in my brain how I want that to come to life right like that is really fun to me and so I'm trying to kind of instill that in our team that like once you write a blog post it doesn't have to be done or like if you have an idea for you know I have this idea for like this download checklist right well like great let's do that and beef it up and turn it into a blog post and then let's use that as fodder for the podcast right um repurposing doesn't always have to be just like cutting something down or beefing it up. It can also be reformatting, like take that information and use it in a totally different way. Um, so that's really our strategy is like, we come up with a story. We are going to try and use it as many ways as possible, different formats, different channels. Um, but some, I I think the other thing that's really important to know is like, Sometimes repurposing really is just like copy and paste and put it in a different spot, right? We do that a lot with hey, we have this social post did really, really well. I am literally gonna pick this up and drop it into our next email newsletter because yeah. obviously there's something there that's resonating and you don't have to do much more than that. Um, so sometimes it's as simple as that, and sometimes it's like reimagining the content in a different format, which you know is a little heavier lift, but um, but there's just so many ways to do it and And I think that is, we're going to see a lot more companies, I think, catch on to that this year. We have smaller budgets. We're doing, trying to do more with less or the same with less. And you can only do that if you're repurposing strategically.
1: Yeah, it's the opposite of just being on that hamster wheel and just creating lots of content with no repurposing. It's not a nice, uh, it's not going to be a nice situation to be in. I completely agree with you as well that, um, you know, on the one hand, content repurposing is you know, reimagining new formats, new location, different platforms. But there's a time and place for an almost cut and paste, if it's still respectful of that new platform in the sitting in, in a, a format and a, a tone and style that the people on that other platform would like with and appreciate. Then why not? You know, sometimes all you're doing is testing it in one place to to then um, use it somewhere else. So <laughs> I completely agree in terms of kind of streamlining and. And optimizing, obviously, you've talked already about having a really streamlined content strategy, you know, the one message, one platform, etc. Is there anything else, um, I guess, from a day to day operational perspective of how you streamline and optimize the processes that are quite recurring within the team, I suppose?
0: Yeah, Uh, this is a great question. So we're doing a little bit of this um, uh, in a couple different ways right now. Um, One thing we uh, are working on right now that feels like a kind of a bigger version of this is um, we're trying to get a better case study process down. Um, So working really closely with the customer success team to understand who's even like, who's, who's a good fit for this, who has a good story, who's in great standing with us, loves us. Right. And, and would go on record to say that. Yeah. Um, And then from there, taking that from, okay, you know, what's the background of, of this team? What have they been working on? How are they using us? And then the interview and then distilling that down and, you know, and then also like, I don't really want to have just a typical case study on the website. I think people are so tired of the same old, you know, problem, enter the product solution, right? Like let's find a different way. So I think that's absolutely part of it. So we're working on that right now. uh, Just trying to figure out like, what's a good motion that's going to help us, you know, if we can, if we can build that motion and get a couple case studies done this quarter, that, that process should then help us like, we can get double that number uh, next quarter, right? So definitely building that. Another process we're trying to think about right now is like all of these AI tools are coming out. How can we use those to scale and at the same time still build quality content? So really thinking hard about, you know, bringing AI into our process and our workflow, um, but not just kind of letting it do everything for us. How do we inject some humanity into these pieces? How do we inject our point of view, right? Because AI just lacks so much of that right now. Um, It's great for ideation. It's probably great for like, oh yeah, these are kind of the sections that we should write around, but um, this isn't the final piece. So how do we kind of build that in, but understand the, the limits of AI so that we can still create content we're really happy to put our names on? So I think those are really yeah. like the two spots we're trying to figure out process wise right now, um, how we can really streamline those things and, and keep moving forward. And then the other thing is just like, I, I always like to reserve some time and space for testing stuff out. So, you know, I hear, um, on a customer call, someone describe us a way we've never heard before. Well, I, I kind of want to go test that in the H1 on the homepage, you know, see if, other people see us like that and what happens to you know the um the rate of people going to the book a demo page because yeah. we um I've seen that work quite a bit um so I just love like some testing like making room for like testing experimentation and failure right because some of that stuff is going to fail and you have to be yeah. okay with that that's why it's a test but then also just streamlining things that like you know are working and you just need to do more of it
1: yeah yeah, completely agree. Um, it's funny you mentioned AI. I was actually going to be the next question, but you beat me to it. Have you guys played around with ChatGPT? Because I'm going to be honest, I haven't even managed to get on it. Every time I think, I'm going to go and check it out, it has no capacity to let any more users <laughs> on. So like, I have not even tried it yet, but everyone's talking about it at the moment.
0: <laughs> we have, absolutely. Yeah. What we have found is obviously it's only as good as the input. Yeah. So you can get very specific about you know your angle um even I I've gotten really great success of like you know write me an article about this topic using the following as the h2s right oh, and then wow. putting in the the pillars of things I want to talk about I've seen really good success with that. We're really Keen on documenting our tone and, and voice um, because I think that is just going to help us refine what comes out of AI. And we can use that as uh, the prompt, right? So write me an article titled this with these as the H2s in a voice that is X, Y, and Z. Um, so I think just the tighter and, and the more... Um, kind of refined, you can get that input, the better the output will be. And so we're just, we're still playing around with that. Um, I think that is as these tools continue to evolve and get better, um, they will allow for, you know, kind of, um, guardrails within the prompts, uh, that will just continue yeah. to, you know, boost the, the quality of the output. Yeah, yeah, they will,
1: won't they? It's like the way that you've been using it sounds exactly right, but you're right, they'll start those guardrails as well. So, um, yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? It's got its limitations, but we need to um, need to embrace it. In terms of um, like marketing departments, I know often a key thing is what do you keep in house and what do you get expertise? What do you outsource? Um, in your experience, I guess at Lasso, when I know that you know, you're fairly new to the company, so also just building on from, say, my previous positions, uh, what have you always found to be something good to perhaps look for external expertise and outsourcing and, and other things that you've really, like, I'll, we'll cling on to this for in-house always?
0: Yeah. Um, an SEO expert, I think, yeah. is so important um, to have... And to bring someone in from the outside, um, one, because I think, uh, I don't, I don't know if I could bring someone on, if they would have a full-time role in SEO, especially at, at like at this point in Lasso's, um, kind of journey, maybe moving forward as we grow. But at this point, um, it's really something that I could see a vendor for. It is something that we had a vendor for at Marpipe, um, a fantastic agency uh, called Ercule, E-R-C-U-L-E. And they're they're amazing. Um, I think they were really helpful in allowing me to like know what we needed to go after, but then, okay, realistically, here's what you can actually rank for, compete for. Um, and this all fits into your strategy, right? So it wasn't just like keywords for keyword sake. It was, what do you want to be known for? What is, what is relevant? Um, what don't you want to be known for? We will not try to rank for those things. Right. Um, because there is some of that, like, That might bring traffic in, but if it's not traffic that you want, like, yeah, don't focus on it. Um, so that, that's a big one for me. Um, we also have, um, I, I think it's great to, if you can outsource someone to oversee kind of campaigns and ad spend. Again, at this point, I think in like la- the stage lasso's at, that feels right. Um, as we grow, it might be something we want to bring in-house. But right now, um, that feels that feels really good to have someone outside just um kind of helping us with yeah. that campaign management role. Yeah, makes sense. It's funny, um, when
1: I've been asking, you know, similar question on the first season of the podcast, um, the the completely sort of like resounding answer to the outsource question. I think nearly everyone said you know, like really? you know? Yeah, like nearly everybody pretty much. It was a key theme of, um, you know, something that people favor and, and are comfortable with like the outside expertise. And actually, you know, when I, I was, as you were answering, I was thinking, well, we're only working with one external supplier at the moment ourselves, and that's an you know, SEO agency. So no, there you no. go. Yeah, exactly. Just a super quick break from this conversation to let you know that if you're a B2B technology or professional services company, and you want help with streamlining your content operations, outsourcing your content repurposing is the number one way to produce more high quality content and boost your ROI without putting any more pressure on your team. In fact, it could save your team up to 30 hours per week. We offer content repurposing services for video and audio content. Whether you have a show or you're launching a brand new one, maybe you have an archive of awesome content, be it webinars or a virtual event, or you want help creating thought leadership content that we can repurpose, we've got you covered. Head to content10x.com to see how we can help you and start increasing your efficiency and the value you get from your content. Now back to the conversation. In terms of the uh, content marketing initiatives, what is a really memorable content marketing initiative that you've run? Like something that um, was like really su- successful, or in whatever metric you were measuring in at the time, but like a standout content marketing initiative that just you're really proud of.
0: One thing that I worked on at MarPipe that was um... It was actually, it started as a test and it ended up being really, really successful. And so I think that's why I'm proud of it because it, we had no expectations yeah. for it. Um, and, and I think that's what's exciting about it. So um, the funny way was that it, it started out as I had approval from five customers. So so let me back up a little bit. Marpipe uh, is a, a platform for testing ad creative. Yeah, And uh, I had approval from five of our customers to show their uh, kind of before and after like ad creative, right? Um, in each of these scenarios, there was only one difference between the ads and it, it always resulted in some insanely crazy performance boost that they had found using Marpipe. And I had gotten approval to use them in like a one pager, But because I had approval and approval is so hard to come by from customers, I was like, I have to figure out a way to use these again. And so something came to me um, that was like, well, what if I put these in front of other marketers and said, can you pick the winner? Like, can you pick which one was the winner? And so I built this quiz in like a type form thing. And, um, just dropped it on Twitter as like, let's let's see what happens, right? Kind of a, a challenge to you know marketers have egos. Like we all think we know what good creative yeah. is. <laughs> and so I just kind of threw it out there. And it took off. um in forty eight hours, we had over two thousand people uh, take the quiz, um, which the funny thing about it was we hadn't actually like paid. <laughs> or that level of like respondents. And so we had like this overage that we paid for because it did really well. Um, And so within that survey, I also asked um, for their job title. And I also asked for their years of experience. And so from that animation, I was able to create like a really scrappy research report So it was kind of this like thing that turned into like a quiz that then became a research report that I was able to, you know, use in a, in a blog post. And then, um, I created little mini quizzes in social where I would just put like one set of ads up and be like, you know, heart for the one on the left and a thumbs up for the one on the right. And it it just got, we got so much mileage out of it. Um, and I think that was really exciting and I think it helped people see like understand what mark pipe does yeah um, really easily at a glance um and see the results of it right like you know this particular ad because of this one small change had a 350 percent increase in add to cart rate like things like that that you know if you put in a one pager and show somebody it's kind of like oh cool but if you make it interactive it's it's yeah Really sticks with you, so that's something i'm I'm really, really proud of it That was a lot of fun to work on, and again, just like a surprise that it was so successful and and took so many shapes and forms.
1: yeah, you didn't know where that was going to go. that's really cool <laughs> <laughs> that's really awesome um let's talk about um the opposite so rather than successes, do you have any funny stories or you know cautionary content marketing tales <laughs> of anything that <laughs> didn't go quite to plan? <laughs>
0: Okay. So we ran that quiz. We were like, this is amazing. We need to figure out how to make this a weekly thing. Like it, it took off. It was huge. So we took about a month, got approval from five other customers to, you know, show their ads in a second round of the quiz. And we put it out and I think we got, (laughs) I mean, it was less than like, it was less than Hundred, maybe it was less than two hundred, <laughs> right? So it's like there, there is the, there's the proof where you need to test. Um, yeah. I'm really glad we we decided to run it a second time before we turned it into some sort of kind of scaled yeah. program because, you know, even despite people saying this is the new Wordle for me, I would do this every day if you had one. Like the reality is they didn't, uh, yeah. and so you yeah. would have put all this time and effort after one kind of you know lightning strike uh we would have missed and so it was really it was it was sad that that happened but a very good lesson that like okay that was a one time deal um you know or maybe we just need more time between them um before we do it again
1: yeah people often do that don't they where they like you know, like you said there's a bit of a lightning strike and then put all the eggs in one basket this is now the only way we're ever going to do marketing in yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have done it a little bit more first. So, no, that's that's a really good story. I've got three sort of quick fire questions to run through um, with you. But before that, I wanted to just sort of switch gears a little bit and ask you about your podcast. So, um, I noticed that you've launched That's Marketing Baby. Um, I'd love to know about that. How's it going? You know, why did you decide to launch it? It'd be just cool to find out a bit more. It looks awesome. <laughs>
0: for sure. Oh, thank you so much for bringing this up. So, um, Susan Wanagrad is my incredible co-host. She and I both, uh, were at Marpipe and we were the marketing team at Marpipe, just the two of us. So she ran everything paid and I did everything content organic. And we were just a fabulous team. Like she and I worked really well together. Our brains, like we were like two puzzle pieces, right. That kind of fit in the, in the kind of, uh, blind spots of the other person, And, um, we built some incredible things together and we did the podcast together at Marpipe. Um, and when we both left, we were, I think that was the thing we missed the most was like just getting in to sit and talk to each other every week. And, and, um, we were like, we got we got to do this again. Like we got to figure out a way. Yeah. And something that I had noticed kind of in conjunction, um, uh, with this happening was there's so many podcasts out there right now where, it, it's it's two men that host, yeah. or um, you know, there's a there's a male host and and he brings on a majority of male guests. And it's not that I don't learn from those; I have learned so much from those podcasts. But I just I was like, there is a void here of like female led podcasts. So kudos to you, sincerely. because okay. <laughs> There is there is a gap to fill, um, and I'm glad that you are uh, helping to fill it. And so Susan and I were like, you know what? Like, let's do this. Let's be, you know, let's take the lead here. It'll be us, you know, uh, a podcast about marketing by women for all. And we're just going to talk about what we want to talk about. Um, You know, the things that we did at MarPipe that were really interesting and cool, uh, things that we just have a passion for, um, and things that people are like afraid to ask about, right? I think there's so many things where you jump into a new role or you're new to marketing and you're like, oh, there's so many like acronyms and like, what's an MQL? Like what's an SDR? How do I know if my you know, newsletter is doing well? Like what metrics do I like? There's just so many questions that yeah. uh, are intimidating to ask the answer to. And so it's like, let's just, I don't know, let's clear the air. Let's talk about those things. So that's really what that's marketing baby is all about. Um, and it's fun. We yeah. swear there's some sarcasm. It's it's like two friends just peeking out about marketing stuff. Which oh
1: is great. yeah. No, that's absolutely awesome. I love everything about that. Um how how many episodes are you into it now? Um
0: Episode four comes out on Monday. So we're Awesome. Um, yeah. So we're really new, um, but it's been a load of fun and they're short. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're trying to keep them, you know, 20 to 30 ish minutes, um, just easy to listen to and, and hope that people can pick up something actionable every time.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think that's a perfect sweet spot actually for, um, podcast duration. So yeah, congratulations. I'm going to, i to hit that subscribe button and, and get listening to, uh, to it. Sounds awesome. <laughs> Um, and obviously I'll put the links to, um, to that for everybody listening to go check your show out as well. So that's really cool. And um, some final quick five questions. What's one takeaway tip that you would give to another content marketer to just try and optimize the output of their content?
0: I think with this new kind of um advent and adoption of AI tools, the way we're seeing, everything is going to start to sound very kind of monotone. Robotic, I think it will be an incredible superpower of people who understand how to inject humanity into your into their content. Uh, and by that, I mean, interjecting some personality, making it sound like it came from a human, making sure you always have uh, an author's name and face on a blog post or, um, a picture of someone and a signature in an email that it didn't just come from, you know, the lasso team it's coming from drew at lasso. Right. Um, and, and I think, um, the more you do that, the more trust you build. Um, it's funny. I actually, Susan and I had this conversation, uh, on our podcast the other day that was like, what do you think of when you think of IBM, like I don't think of a person at all. I think of their logo and the color blue, right? But but think of the number of experts they have in their company that they could be leveraging. Um, and you know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But I'm not aware of it. And so, yeah. the more you can do that, um, the more you can leverage your people, their faces, use them in video. Um, I think it's it's just going to give the brands that do that an edge. Um, because we're moving into this space where like everything's going to start sounding the same because yeah. it's all been created by AI, yeah. um, which is you know just an amalgam of everything that's already out there. So um, whatever you can do to really like humanize and and differentiate will 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 absolutely optimize. Yeah, it'll it will yeah win the day.
1: Um, what's a typically overlooked or undervalued tool that you'd re- recommend to content marketers if there are if there are any that you're aware of?
0: Oh, these are really good, Amy <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we talk to customers enough i don't think I don't think we talk to customers enough, and I don't think we I think sometimes when we co- talk to customers, we check the box that we talk to a customer and then we do nothing more with it. um, but I think there's something to be said for really, really picking up on the cues that you hear from them, on the way they talk about your product. I mean, you can you can bring those into verbatim, pick those things up and put them in your content and see what happens. Um, I yesterday heard uh, one of our customers say the words attendee experience like three times. And I was like, okay, we need to build something on that. Like we need a piece of content, the guide to attendee experience, something. Like let's start small, let's do a blog post and then blow it up, right? But let's get something out there because that feels really important. So just just really listening and like pulling out key yeah. themes and then going and doing something with them. So that that feels overlooked for me. And maybe that seems obvious because it's like, oh, I'll go talk to your customers. But I don't know if we do it enough and I don't know if we do it well. <laughs> yeah,
1: really listen and then really do something about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. So, you so this is a good one for you because you, you're new um, at the company. So, you're given any opportunity to create any content. So, you've got no uh, bounds within the budget or the resources. So, you can create anything billboard in Times Square, primetime TV, advertisement slot, the sky's the limit. Um, what, what, what's that campaign? I was like what are you going to do? <laughs>
0: okay. This is so great. So my background, I was in, I was a creative director and copywriter in the agency world for like 15 years. And one of my favorite, favorite things to do was write video scripts, uh, or, you know, commercial scripts. Love, love that. And so, uh, if I had just all the money in the world, um, you know, incredible, you know, production team at my fingers. Uh, I would write an amazing like explainer video for lasso, like blow the roof off of it, make it one of those ones. That's like so fun to watch that you're sharing it, whether or not you actually would use the software or not. Right. Uh, so, um, I think that's what I would do. I love writing scripts and then like getting on set and, and, you know, watching the director work their magic and, um, you know, watching the talent kind of bring it to life. I love seeing like, when you write a video script, you have, there's like an ecosystem of like people and, 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 you know, management and like logistics that all come together to like make it happen. And I, I love that.
1: So that's. And, um, what, uh sort of, you know, A-list, Hollywood-style talent would you have uh, in the ad? So... (laughs) Morgan Freeman doing the voice, maybe?
0: (laughs) That would be amazing. I think it would have to be, like, Lasso. Like, I think it would have to be, like, a cowboy type. Like, a... Yeah. You know, um, boy... Sam Elliott. Like, I feel like Sam Elliott would be a good one. Um... Man, I think oh, yeah, like Yellowstone is like everyone's yeah. favorite show. And I think we'd have to pull some talent. from <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, yeah, sounds well, great. Have big budget production <laughs> Which here point now. this
1: is like no limits. <laughs> Brilliant. So lastly, right, so B two B content strategists, I love to speak to true leaders in the B two B marketing world like yourself. Who is, what one person do you think I should be inviting next? So who, who stands out to you as a real B2B marketing leader?
0: A real B2B marketing leader? You know what? So my boss, Drew Brucker, is incredible. Um, I, he has just an amazing knack for, one, leading people, I think, in a really, really empathetic way, and two, just a, a brain for detail when it comes to marketing. Like, what aren't we thinking about yet? Like, obviously we've got the big picture covered of things, but like, what aren't we thinking about? What's another lever we could pull? Um, I think he is amazing at that. So he he would be, I'm a little biased, oh, but he'd absolutely good be, be who I would bring on
1: next. I love it. No, yeah, that's great. <laughs> so um, apart from going ahead and subscribing to your podcast, um, where else would you like uh, people to connect with you LinkedIn I presume <laughs> yeah. LinkedIn absolutely
0: yeah I'm I'm pretty active there I'm usually yeah. posting every weekday so yeah LinkedIn um, cool. there are quite a few Jess Cooks um, but I'm the only one at Lasso um, so uh, you can find me that way
1: yeah brilliant um, we'll find you on LinkedIn I'll obviously put links to everything in the show notes for this as well um, so Jess thank you so much it's been such a wonderful conversation thanks so much for coming on
0: Oh, thank you, Amy. This was so much
1: fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of B2B Content Strategist. Do let me know what you thought about conversation by getting in touch with me on social media. You'll find Content 10X on all the social platforms or search for Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X on LinkedIn. To find out more about streamlining your content marketing processes and specifically about content repurposing, check out our website content10x.com where you'll find information and resources that will help you achieve more with your content more efficiently. And if you're looking for a partner to outsource your content repurposing and distribution to, get in touch as we offer a world-class, fully end-to-end, done-for-you content repurposing service. Thanks again for listening to this episode and I'll catch you in the next one.